Today on the Everything 80s Podcast, why National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is the greatest Christmas movie ever. Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're all in this together. This is a full-blown, four-alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on, and we're going to have the hap-hap-happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny Hey. Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie, thanks for coming on out. And our intro by Clark W. Griswold Jr. And we're looking at what many would say, some would argue, (laughs) that is the greatest Christmas movie ever made, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So this will be a look into the movie, how it was made, produced, um, behind the scenes stuff, everything you could possibly want from a Christmas Vacation Podcast. So we'll get to it. Before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcast. I should be there. Okay, let's do this. So there are a lot of Christmas movies now that are real staples during the holiday season, like Miracle on 34th Street, White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Elf is got up there. But does one stand above them all? Just in case you don't know this, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation came out in 1989 and was almost instantly labeled a Christmas classic. It was directed by John Hughes, stars Chevy Chase, and is the story of the Griswold family. And over the years, the popularity has just continued to grow and grow. I never saw it in the theaters. I probably wasn't allowed to. How old was I then? Well, too young, technically, to go. The first time I saw it was actually babysitting for some friends' younger brothers, and they had it there. And it's one of maybe only two movies where... I laughed so hard I couldn't breathe. Like I, I was choking. I couldn't. It was many scenes specifically when <laughs> Snots the dog throws up the garbage under the table and some other things. Like I, I fell over from laughing that hard. And I can't think of any other movies that really did that. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those movies that to me is at the very top of the list. And for a lot of people, that's a must watch every year during the holidays. I think there's something special in general about movies you wait all year to watch and that impact rules on you more and more. You can burn out a movie pretty quickly if you watch it every other weekend, but with movies like you know Christmas Vacation, they hold up and they seem to improve because there's more anticipation uh, to them and, and other Christmas movies too. So here's the basic plot of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Again, in case you haven't watched it, you should probably stop this, go watch it, then come back. Um, and you know, so you're up to speed and you're probably, if, again, if these are all new to you, you're probably even better to go watch, uh, National Lampoon's European vacation to get a feel for the Griswold family, then watch Christmas vacation. But again, don't expect any continuity as there are different actors and circumstances, which is, you know, the case for Christmas vacation specifically with, uh, the Griswolds. So it exists as kind of a standalone movie even though there have been follow-up movies like Vegas Vacation, and there's actually a sequel to Christmas Vacation, and we'll get to that in a bit. Christmas Vacation focuses on Clark W. Griswold Jr., played by Chevy Chase, and his quest to have the perfect family vacation. He has a long-suffering wife named Ellen, played by Beverly D'Angelo, and two kids, Rusty, played by uh, Roseanne, old Roseanne show, alumni and Big Bang star Johnny Galecki and a daughter Audrey played by Juliette Lewis. 
The movie starts with Clark looking for the perfect Christmas tree, which involves them almost getting destroyed by multiple trucks on the road. They find the perfect tree, which is about 40 feet too big, and then realize they forgot a saw to cut it down. Clark has a plan to put in a swimming pool for his family, but hasn't gotten his bonus check yet to cover it all. But in the meantime, he's still focused on decorating his house. This is a standout and iconic part of the movie involving a house with enough Christmas lights to take down the power grid of his part of Chicago. Clark is also dealing with his D-bag neighbors, Todd and Margot, played by a just recently cast in Seinfeld, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The epicenter of the movie then shows up in the form of Cousin Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, who has shown up out of the blue in a beat-to-hell Winnebago. He has brought his kids, wife, and dog Snots with him. Also joining in are the senile Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis. Then while the Christmas dinner is taking place, it turns into a disaster with an overcooked turkey and a burned-down tree. Clark also finds out he's not getting his Christmas bonus. Eddie takes it upon himself to kidnap Clark's boss, Mr. Shirley, played by Bill Murray's brother, Brian Murray. A SWAT team then descends upon the house to rescue Mr. Shirley, who has held back bonuses on the company and has now relented, giving Clark a bigger bonus than before. Everyone goes outside because the kids think they see Santa, which results in a gas explosion from Uncle Lewis's toss, toss match, which has ignited the sewer where Eddie has dumped his chemical toilet. So looking at the production on Christmas Vacation, it was directed by John Hughes and was actually based on a short story that Hughes had written called Christmas 59. He wrote it in 1980 and it was published in the National Lampoon magazine, which is where we get National Lampoon from. The National Lampoon magazine is is very significant and it was published from 1970 to 1998 and had a huge effect on American comedy. The magazine also put out films, TV, and live theater, and some notable entertainers have been involved with the stage and radio show that have been put on by National Lampoon, including Chevy Chase himself, that's where partly he started, Gilda Radner, John Belushi, you know, a lot of SNL alumni, Bill Murray, um, his brother, brother Brian was part of National Lampoon, Harold Ramis from Ghostbusters. They were all part of this um, sort of, I guess, comedy collective that was under the National Lampoon magazine and umbrella, if you were. So, again, with National Lampoon magazine, it's all this is all pre-Saturday Night Live. And it may have really set the stage for what did become Saturday Night Live. And and then it's, it's just sort of interesting how Chevy Chase and Brian Doyle Murray kind of came back full circle to a National Lampoon movie after uh, all that. So John Hughes was being begged by the studio to put out another movie because uh, he was having some really good success in the 80s. And he only agreed because he had this good story called Christmas 59 that he could base it on. The movie was originally supposed to be directed by Christopher Columbus. And if you don't know if you know Christopher Columbus, he's made a lot of iconic movies, including... The Harry Potter movies. He did things like Mrs. Doubtfire. He did Gremlins. A lot of a lot of classics in there. The problem is he had so many run-ins with Chevy Chase, it forced him to quit. I don't know if this is familiar to you or you know about this. The stories of Chevy Chase being notoriously hard to work with are pretty legendary in all forms of media and entertainment. And Columbus just couldn't handle it. The good thing in all this was that Hughes really liked Columbus. Oh, of course. Hold on, I'll get to this in a sec. Uh, 
Hughes really liked Columbus. Columbus was sort of mortified that he had to quit, but he couldn't handle it. And he thought it was going to destroy his entire career. Um, but Hughes didn't hold it against him, even though he quit. He thought instead of doing this Christmas vacation um, National Lampoon movie, he would actually be the perfect fit for another Christmas-based movie he wanted to put out. That would be Home Alone. So Columbus was responsible for bringing us what I believe is actually a Christmas movie in Gremlins and then would bring another iconic movie for Christmas in Home Alone. And even the first two Harry Potter movies kind of have a Christmas feel to them as well. Like they, they, if you watch around Christmas time, they do kind of work with the season. So the movie started uh, shooting on March 27th, 1989 in Summit County, Colorado. They used a few other locations and then moved the whole thing to the Warner Brothers Ranch facilities in Burbank, California. So everything you've seen that includes the Griswolds house, uh, the street was actually all filmed in a studio. And if that house looks familiar, it's because it was the same one used to film Bewitched. And Todd and Margot's house, you might recognize that as Danny Glover's house in Lethal Weapon. So here's the release of Christmas Vacation. This movie came out at an interesting time. It came out on November 30th, 1989, which was the same weekend as another iconic and favorite movie, Back to the Future Part 2. I saw Back to the Future in theaters, but I don't remember it being that close to Christmas when it came out. This late release was because they had shot Back to the Future 2 and 3 at the same time so they could be released within a short time. They wanted Back to the Future 3 to be out going into the summer blockbuster season. That one came out on May 25th, 1990. I remember the commercials for Christmas Vacation, but obviously my interest at that time of year was focused on arguably the greatest uh, sequel to the greatest movie ever made. So I again, I only saw... Christmas Vacation on video like a lot of people did, but it still opened at number two on the weekend behind Back to the Future, which is not too shabby. It made nearly $12 million that weekend, which converted for today would be around $24 million. Not epic, but not bad. You know, movies can be so hit or miss right now that, um, you know, without being a, a Disney-related um product you know whether it's marvel or star wars or pixar or whatever it's tough to have big opening weekends and you know at the time that wasn't too bad overall it went on to make 71 million which when we convert for today would be around 142 million which is actually pretty good especially like for a christmas movie christmas vacation actually topped the box office in its third week and there's probably a few reasons why this happened. Again, it's very rare for a movie to do better as it goes on. And a few have been able to do that over time. But in the case of Christmas Vacation, everyone obviously wanted to see Back to the Future Part 2 when it came out. So that took up a majority of ticket sales and screenings. I don't know what your town was like, but my city had fewer movie theaters um, and also fewer screens showing them. Back to the Future 2 opened at nearly $28 million that weekend. So um, that took in the biggest haul, obviously, of all the movies. So the thing is, by that third week after Christmas Vacation came out, it was only a week out until Christmas. And those going to the movies were obviously looking to see something Christmassy. And this was a year when Christmas movies were just not a priority for some reason. The only other Christmas movie that came out that year was Prancer, if you remember that one. 
the lack of Christmas movies that year might have been because no one wanted to go up against Back to the Future Part Two. I mean, you know, the first one is such a, a massive success and an iconic movie. And especially when it came out, it was the number one movie in 1985 by far, as far as, you know, ticket sales and, and how much money it made. So, you know, the hype for back to the future two was, was through the roof. So I think studios just wanted to avoid it kind of the same way they want to avoid Marvel and star Wars movies specifically. So it just, it ended up not having any Christmas competition. And again, you know, people who are out Christmas shopping or, you know, they're going for lunch or that and they want to see a movie. It was really the only option because Prancer was seen to be a bit too much of a kid's movie and people weren't even necessarily sure how potentially inappropriate for kids Christmas vacation could be because, I mean, the commercials made it just look like this jovial, fun slapstick movie, which it still is. Uh, But, you know, that's what helped lead to the success of it. Also, side note, Johnny Galecki, um, who played Rusty in Christmas Vacation, also starred in Prancer, making him king of uh, Christmas that year. So here's more of the impact of Christmas Vacation. Like I said, it did gain success as it went on, and it did okay with critics. But like most staple go-to movie choices, they're never the darling of critics ever. You know, just thinking like Dumb and Dumber as an example. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 64% out of 36 different movie critics, and it has an average rating of 6.2 out of 10. I'm sure you have it way higher than that. The thing with this movie is it obviously has grown into an absolute Christmas classic. I don't know anyone who doesn't watch it each year. It's filled with so many iconic moments, and it's honestly not the holidays without Christmas vacation. I've noticed this continuing to grow every year with no sign of decline really happening. I'd say uh, as far as sort of modernish movies like Elf has kind of taken um, that role as well too. Home Alone's obviously been there. And then besides all the other Christmas classics, and you might have your own specific Christmas classics, but it's cemented in there. I mean, it's been almost 30 years which is crazy to think about, but it still holds up. The jokes are as funny as ever, if not funnier now. I don't know how they continue to grow and improve. It's not gotten old in the slightest bit. And it's. I wonder what the response will be for it or to it in another 10 to 20 years. And the thing with movies like this is new generations will continue to discover it. You know, some kid in 10 years will be like, holy crap, I just saw this movie, um, share it with this. You know, that's how these things continue to grow. Anytime you drive by a house with a huge Christmas light display, there is no way you don't think of the Griswold house and an overly decorated home is synonymous with Christmas vacation. Now it's just, again, it's part of the fabric of the Christmas culture we have. So here is some random behind the scenes stuff regarding Christmas vacation. Here's one. Chevy Chase broke part of his hand in the scene when he punches the reindeer on his lawn display. Remember when the lights don't work and he just goes nuts on all the ornaments out there. He was supposed to punch everything else but couldn't, so he started kicking and karate chopping everything else to protect his hand. The movie actually had a massive budget for a kind of non-special effects Christmas-based movie. It was $27 million dollars which is quite a lot for a movie back then. According to Randy Quaid, Cousin Eddie is based on a real guy. The majority of the mannerisms are based on a guy he knew growing up in Texas, which is even funnier. 
Aunt Bethany might have been giving a clue as to what her life was like when she was growing up. At the end of singing the national anthem at the end of the movie, she says play ball, which might seem a little weird to you, but in the early days of baseball, they would use anthem singers that had more of a bit of a burlesque background, shall we say, and they used them to sort of serve as some pre-game eye candy um, and sort of exploit them for the amusement of the majority of the men that would be in the crowd. So we might have seen what Aunt Bethany was growing up. Speaking of Aunt Bethany, she was played by Mae Questel, who was the voice of Betty Boop from the old cartoons. When This one's interesting, too, that I didn't know, and now it's hard not to see. When Bethany and Lewis enter the front door when they arrive at the Griswold's house, a small earthquake actually struck. And if you look closely, you'll see the camera moving a little bit. Randy Quaid is third cousins with Gene Autry, who's when they use Here Comes Santa Claus, it's used at the end of the movie when the SWAT team breaks in. Okay, now th- this is the <laughs> Christmas Vacation sequel, which I have never seen. I don't know if I will ever see, and I don't know if anyone has actually ever seen this thing. And again, I didn't know about this until recently, and I'm pretty sure you might not have either. So, It's called Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Vacation. It sounds awful just from the title. And this thing came out in 2003 and was a made-for-TV movie starring Randy Quaid and Miriam Flynn that they actually brought them back uh, in their roles of Eddie and Catherine. The plot involves Eddie who works at a nuclear facility alongside a monkey. One day, the monkey outperforms Eddie on a variety of tests, leading to Eddie getting fired. Eddie is worried about Christmas and his boss is worried that Eddie will sue. So they offer to take his family on a vacation to the South Pacific. They eventually get shipwrecked on an isolated island and Eddie gets the opportunity to prove he is a man um, by providing for his family and helping them celebrate Christmas. They eventually get rescued and it ends up that Eddie has to land the rescue plane and it leads him to getting his job back. So, I mean, we could say this probably doesn't have a high, well, it doesn't have a high score on Rotten Tomatoes and just seems like an abomination from, I'm going to have to watch this thing because it's one of those things, I think it's like a a car crash and you can't look away. And just the fact that it exists is kind of hilarious. There was the um, National Lampoon's Vegas vacation that brought back Eddie in the role. But again, the, the, the Christmas vacation premise and setting makes it a standalone National Lampoon movie, and that's why it works so well. But maybe you've seen uh, Christmas Vacation 2, and you do actually like it, but I will have to get around to it. Okay, so I'll start wrapping it up here. Um, again, you know, if you're listening to this episode, I'm assuming you love Christmas Vacation as much as I do. And again, I'll say that it's, to me, it's the best Christmas movie ever, hands down the best ever. I'll never not watch this movie during the holidays. It's as funny as it's been, if not funnier somehow. Every time there's some there's some new parts that I didn't notice. Um, in example, I've never noticed this. In the scene where Eddie and Clark are in the supermarket when they're walking through and they're talking about how tough things are at work and they're loading up the Christmas cart. Watch how Eddie's... <laughs> Look how tight Eddie's pants are in the scene and like revealingly tight and you'll notice it now and you won't be able to not notice it. It's just, it's, I laughed all night after seeing that. Um, 
for the first time, essentially. Just little things like that you always pick up. Again, you do with your favorite movies. And Christmas movies are unique because you're not watching them. Well, usually you're not watching them year-round. And they're sort of saved for that time of year. Kind of like Halloween movies, too. So it, they kind of almost seem fresh each time you watch them because you're getting back to them. They're familiar and they're kind of like comforting almost, but they they almost seem new and you kind of have to dive back in and kind of get familiarized again with it. And then new things start to occur to you. I remember one year when it was kind of like way, way back, um, kind of rediscovering it again and watching it every day through the, the Christmas break, almost like twice a day, because it, you're just like, again, that rediscovery and just kind of mind blown that this thing exists. So that's it for Christmas vacation. Again, I would call it the gift that keeps on giving the whole year round. Hopefully it's a favorite of yours. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know there's a million podcasts out there now. So the fact you're listening to this one, means a lot. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. That way they're automatically sent to you. That's it for me. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Worse? How could they get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell! (laughs) 